G'day all and welcome back to Glory Days as we take a look back at the Yarrawonga Pigeons' very first premiership in the Avons Murray Football League. The season was 1959 under the coaching of Fitzroy legend Billy Stevens. In this episode, we speak with the only two living members from the team, Bob Flanagan and Don Ellison. We also speak to family members of the players. The episode also includes the original broadcast audio highlights from a gripping final term. Before we start, a huge thank you to the Yarrawonga Past Players Group and Ross Mulcrany and family for making it all possible. Oh, what a day. The crowd was that big, you couldn't move, you know. As far as the game went, oh, it was a terrific game. It was goal for goal, but the biggest thing was Noah Ryan, I thought, on um, Bobby Rose. That goal of Lionel Ryan's from the, about the centre of the ground, wasn't it? It was absolutely brilliant, you know, but it was so close all day. Did you run out on the ground when the siren went? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think everyone there did. <laughs> oh, that was the highlight of his career, I think. All he ever wanted was to win a grand final with Yarra. One thing about the footy with that, he was pretty quiet. Like, he didn't really give you a lot of advice. He was always like, you know, you'll, you'll make mistakes and you'll find your own way. And, you know, he played the five games for Fitzroy and all I wanted to do was play five. So I played one, two, struggled uh, to get me third and me fourth. And honestly, I ended up playing 200, but the hardest part was getting past five. It was like the nervous 90s growing up in Yarra with all the young players. And anyone could talk to or turn to, you know, whether they needed help or they, they come from the big smoke. He used to love recruiting AFL players back to Yarrawonga and he always used to say to me, you're always on loan to the city because you're always a country boy and you're always a Yarrawonga boy and I've never forgot it. When you talk about 59, which Dad does, and we talk about 89 and obviously the premierships that Yarra have had since, it's, you've always got that connection which you never lose. It's pretty special. That was Betty Seymour, wife of Premiership player Frank Seymour and still a devoted supporter of her beloved Pigeons. Reflecting back on that famous victory in 1959, the other voice was Ben Dixon, a 200-game-plus player at Hawthorne and the son of Joe Dixon, who was 20th man in the grand final. When Leo Burke became president in 1957, he promised a Yarrawonga Premiership. The coaching appointment by Burke and his committee of Billy Stevens in 1958 was the start. The narrow finals miss in 1958 had lit the fire to take the next step. The playing group were hungry for success and it was Bill Steven in his second year that drove the Pigeons to a place they'd never been. I hope you enjoy Yarrawonga 1959. It's a premiership for Yarrawonga. Steven down the ground, the second to second off. VFL Heartland of Melbourne were in shock and the town of Yarrawonga rejoicing when the news broke that Fitzroy star Billy Stephen had been appointed captain coach of the Yarrawonga Football Club for the 1958 season. Yarrawonga president Leo Burke and his committee had made Stevens an offer that he just could not refuse, the princely sum of £60 per week. A promise of a premiership within three years by Stevens was also ringing in the club's ears. Stevens had been the captain coach of Fitzroy between 1955 and 1957 prior to signing with the Pigeons. 
His playing and coaching record at Fitzroy made him an institution at the club, a genuine legend. 162 games played, representing Victoria 14 times. He coached the club in 212 matches. Club best and fairest in 1950 and 1954, named back pocket in the Fitzroy team of the century, and in 2001, a Fitzroy Life member and also a Hall of Fame inductee. Bill Stevens would end up coaching Yarrawonga for seven seasons, the first six as playing coach and the final year as non-playing coach in 1964, when he also coached the Ovens and Murray Football League's representative side. On leaving Yarrawonga after seven years, Stevens went back to Fitzroy as non-playing coach from 1965 to 1970. He had one final stint from 1979 to 1980 at Fitzroy before coaching Essendon for two seasons in 1976 and 1977. In the 12 years of the Ovens Murray Football League resuming post-World War II, the Pigeons had only played in finals twice with third place finishes in both 1954 and 1955 its best result. Since joining the Ovens Murray Football League in 1929, Yarrawonga, despite making it into three grand finals, 1937, 38 and 1940, had never tasted victory. Its last premiership was in 1927. Bill Stevens' first year in 1958 promised so much, with Yarrawonga at the halfway point of the season, equal second with seven wins and two losses. They remained inside the top four all season until a final round defeat by Wangaratta Rovers had them miss finals on percentage to Wangaratta, who, at the halfway point of the season, were four wins behind Yarrawonga. The 1959 playing list was boosted by a couple of handy recruits with key defender Don Ellison returning to Yarrawonga after he had played in Wangaratta Rovers' premiership the previous year. Ellison recalls the move back to Yarrawonga. I had a bit of a disagreement uh, in Yarrawonga and Fred Turner, the president of uh, Wang Rovers, happened to be there the day that we played Albury and I got the vote on the ground. So, Don, you actually played round one with Yarrawonga? Yeah. I played on Jack Clark and I had a day out. And the president? Of Wangaratta. Rovers was there? Yeah. And so, so what followed up after that? After the after the game, he asked me if I'd like to go to Wayne Rovers, and I agreed. Did you get any incentive to go? Oh yeah, a bit, a few, a few pound actually. <laughs> few pound, yeah. How'd you go? Was it a you get cleared straight away by Yarra? No, we had a bit of a battle, but it was only a week or so, and let me go there. Rovers, yes, that was their first Ovens and Murray Premiership, and I got a bit hopes. I wanted to go back to Yarra after we won it. What was the main attraction you wanted to go back to Yarra? Mateship, uh, Pascoe Ellis, and Noel Ryan, they were halfback flankers. I was their halfback, we had a pretty close relationship. Trevor Jones, a speedy wingman, was recruited from University All Blacks, and Bill Whitehead came to the Pigeons from District Club. Jones would go on and win the club's 1959 Best and Fairest Award. 1959 Premiership star Bob Flanagan reflected back on how Stevens was recruited and his pre-season training methods and an earlier meeting with Bill Stevens a few years prior. 
I, I remember, remember the two that went down to uh, get a coach from Fitzroy. They didn't come back with the two, that, either the two they went down to talk to, but they come back with Fitzroy's coach, Billy Stevens, for a lot of money in those days. What sort of money would have been around in those days for Bill? Would I be thinking that it might have been £60 a week? Interesting part about that was about three years earlier, Billy Stevens come up to Yarrawonga to try to talk me to go in down to Fitzroy. We were working in the bake, bake house in the afternoon, me and Frankie Seymour, getting the bread out, and he had to wait till he emptied the oven and he cleaned the tins and got out his own. He was trying to talk me to go to Fitzroy, and, and I didn't go. And then two or three years later, he come up and started playing with me. So he, he must have wanted to with me, I think. He might have liked the bread, Bob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the year before was first year, and I couldn't believe how tough he was and how hard he was with our training. Yeah, he had us hanging over the fence a few times uh, early in the training. He was strong on fitness. One thing he taught started making us do right from the start. You weren't allowed to kick the ball at training unless you took it from a hand pass. If you wanted to kick the ball, you had to make sure you went past someone with a hand pass. You had to go past someone to get a handball to be allowed to kick. When did pre-season training start in those days? The 1959 season started the first Saturday in May. When would have you started training? Official training usually didn't start till four weeks before, and I gradually got the five weeks before, but worked out early. You had to be fitter than that. They'd walk down there and only run three three laps or something the first training. I'd weren't allowed to have a footy, but I was that keen on football that I'd go running out the back roads and pretty fit before I got there, and I couldn't wait for the football to come. Right, so so training might may not start till sort of middle of March, late March. Yeah, yes. Things have changed, haven't they? <laughs> so, <laughs> Used to annoy me. You'd be first down there. Couldn't wait to get started. There's some of the older blokes that come strolling down there as slow as anything. And what the, we used to break our necks. I mean, Frankie Seymour finished early today. The boss would let us go early if we got everything done. As a person, he was a perfect gentleman, uh, very straight down the line, very honest. But as a football coach, he had so much knowledge. And some of the little things he, he'd say you think, I would not have thought of thinking about that about that ahead of time. The season started on May the 2nd and finished on September the 26th. And unlike the modern era, there were no buys or weeks off. It was down to business. Yarrawonga's season commenced with a trip to the Aubrey Sports Ground and finished there 22 weeks later. It was a tight contest throughout, with the Pigeons one point up at three-quarter time before pulling away in the final term with a brilliant last quarter of 5-5 to Aubrey's 1-1 to post a 29-point win. Brian Forrester and Basil Sheridan both kicked three goals. Sheridan's son, Mark, spoke about his father being recruited to Yarrawonga. One of um, best and fairest under Pat O'Kane uh, for Tungamar in 1957. 58, he moved to Yarrawonga. So, yeah, like the football club, still lived in Tungamar. Yeah, his first year for Yarra was 1958. Did he talk much about Billy Stevens as a coach? Yes, he did. Thorough gentleman, but very hard, very tough. After games, if he wasn't happy, they'd be down at the JC Low Oval on a Sunday and running laps, and I mean 40 laps plus. He uh, kept them on their toes. 
still living and working in Tungamar for the Shire. Um, Dad didn't have a vehicle back then, but he was starting to court my mother, uh, Margaret Oakley, from Yarrawonga. And um, if Dad couldn't get a lift into um, Yarrawonga, he used to run along the railway tracks, which, according to my cousins down there, would be 21 to 22 kilometres from Tungamar to Yarrawonga. He would run back or hopefully get a lift, but he said that, you know, he'd probably done that 15, 16 times throughout the the first season and then again in the second season until he got a car. Well, it was a good excuse, go to footy and then go and see mum, I suppose. And keep fit? Yeah, very fit. That's all he done. He just loved his football and loved his work. Pigeon star player from Footscray, Lionel Ryan, was reported for striking Aubrey's Bob Bulamannering in the third quarter. Despite conflicting evidence from Ryan and umpire Jackson, Ryan was handed a two-week suspension. Kev Lawless and Alan Forrester both missed the Pigeons' round two game against Wangaratta with injury. In horrendous conditions, a strong westerly made play very scrappy, with the ball spending more time out of bounds than in play. Yarrawonga did not register a score in the first and third quarters, while Wangaratta fared slightly better, scoring a point in each of their quarters into the breeze. Brian Forrester, Pascoe Ellis, Bill Stephen and Danny Burke were the best for Yarrawonga in the 13-point victory. Burramine recruit Laurie Gleeson was named for his first game for the round three clash with Wodonga. Gleeson, the winner of the Benalla Tungamar Football League's Best and the Fairest Award in 1958, would have played earlier but for a clearance hold-up. In a fiery encounter in front of a huge Martin Park crowd that paid £333 at the gate, it was Wodonga who opened up a 28-point lead at half-time. During a fiery third term, Wodonga's John Hawke was knocked down twice, losing two teeth and getting a chip bone in his jaw. Wodonga extended the margin to 39 points at three-quarter time before winning by 44 points to take top spot. Best for Yarrawonga were Trevor Jones, Laurie Gleeson, John Ryan and Danny Burke. Lionel Ryan was back from suspension for the home game against Corowa, while Joe Dixon and Kevin Murphy were in for their first games of the season. The Spiders with one win were just one game behind sixth-placed Yarrawonga. The Pigeons with defender John Ryan, best on ground, returned to the top four with a hard-earned 14-point win after trailing at three-quarter time. Laurie Gleeson kicked five goals, while Califf Martin, John Lee and Bill Whitehead all played season-best games. Cora had a gold kick by Ruckman John Lane disallowed when leading in the third quarter. Umpire Terrell stopped play, lined up the Cora players and counted 19 men on the ground. Yarrawonga had six changes to the side for the trip to Benalla, amongst them being Lionel Ryan, Trevor Jones, Noel Ryan and Kevin Murphy. One of the players to come in was tall young Ruckman Terry Keenan for his debut. Keenan was the elder brother of North Melbourne Premiership star Peter. Crackers Keenan. The undermanned Pigeons led at quarter time before Benalla bolted away to post a 40-point victory. Danny Burke, John Ryan, Bob Flanagan, Brian and Alan Forrester were best for Yarrawonga. The Pigeons were back at home for round six clash with North Aubrey. Lionel Ryan, Trevor Jones, Pascoe Ellis and Basil Sheridan all returned to counter the loss of coach Billy Stephen and defender Don Ellison. In one of the games of the season, Frankie Seymour snapped a goal with two minutes remaining to snatch Yarrawonga a thrilling two-point win. 
Trevor Jones dominated on his wing, while Laurie Gleeson, Pascoe Ellis, Danny Burke and Bill Whitehead all stood up in the final frantic minutes. Frank Seymour's wife Betty was born into football and still follows her beloved Pigeons in 2023. She spoke about her father's early life at Yarrawonga. He was brought up in St Augustine's Orphanage in Geelong, left when he was about 16 or 17, came to Borough Mine, worked for the Lawless family. He met Mum and got married. Uh, then he moved to Bill Ryan's to work where we lived, moved to Yarra, bought a house, um, worked for Mr Lee, carting stuff from the railway to the shops. Then uh, my older brother and dad started a wood-cutting business and they worked for Bert Foster, who bought the wood and they used to truck it to Melbourne. He played for Yarrow's 1919 Grand Final, always worked on the gate at the football, loved his football. When he won in the uh, Grand Final in 1919, they won gold medals. Anyhow... um, He had to go home to work after the game and apparently he lost the gold medal in the pigsty. It must have fallen out of his pocket or something. 20 years later, cleaning the pigsties out apparently and the gold medal was found and it was still as good as the day he got it. So um, mum had it made into a brooch and she wore it, you know, used to wear it a lot. And she gave it to one of my brothers and uh, he, when he passed away, it went to his son. So that's what happened to the gold medal. He passed away in um, 1987. Yeah, so that was Dad's life. He was a wonderful dad. He had nine children, so there was nine of us running around, five girls and four boys. He worked very hard all his life. He was a very good dad. Yarrawonga left the town hall at 10am for the bus trip to Myrtleford and with the big inclusions of Bill Stephen, Lionel Ryan and Don Ellison named one of its strongest teams for the season. The Pigeons, despite being confronted with half an inch of rain on the Saturday morning and an icy cold alpine breeze, were never threatened in a season's best performance, winning comfortably by 36 points with Laurie Gleeson, Noel Ryan and Bill Whitehead best. Round eight was a home game against an undermanned Rutherglen. Bill Stevens was out with a knee injury, while Lionel Ryan had a dose of the flu. Mike Burston made his debut. The home side, led by six goals, from Frank Seymour and forward Alan Forrester, charged away to a 77-point victory. To complete the halfway point of the home and away matches, third place Yarrawonga made the trip to Wangaratta Rovers, who were in fourth place. Again, the Pigeons would be without Lionel Ryan and Billy Stephen, while winger John Lee, Mike Burston and Caleb Martin were all unavailable. Desperately short of Ruckman, Yarrawonga selectors sprung a huge surprise by selecting Big Alf O'Connor, who had previously indicated he was retiring due to work commitments and health complaints. However, an improvement in his health prompted a change of heart. After an even first half, Rovers took control with a superb third quarter to extend the lead to 22 points at the final change. Both sides kicked two goals in the final term as the final margin stayed at 22 points. Alf O'Connor was the best for the Pigeons in his return, while Donnie Ellison and Bob Flanagan were outstanding. So at the halfway point of the season, Wodonga were unbeaten two games clear of Wangaratta with Rovers and Yarrawonga 
making up the top four a further game back. Frank Seymour was the leading goal kicker on 21. Aubrey journeyed down the Murray and in a surprise led the Pigeons at half-time by four points in a dour struggle. After a half-time rev up, the Pigeons came out a new side, slamming on five goals in 10 minutes to set up a 10-goal to two second half. Frank Seymour kicked four goals. Alpha O'Connor continued his great form in the ruck, while down back, Noel Ryan was best on ground with his surging runs from defence. The Pigeons' next opponent was second-placed Wangaratta. A win away to the Magpies would see the Yarrawonga boys jump above the Wangaratta team. Selectors announced a strong side with Califf Martin, Lionel Ryan and Trevor Jones all returning from injury. Lionel Ryan was held in high regard by all at Yarrawonga as Ben Dixon recalls. Yeah, he's one of the greats. He's a big bastard. I met him as a young kid and Dad used to say he'd rather a fight than a feed. He was the enforcer. So <laughs> you got to have one in your team and... You know, he wasn't afraid to front up and um, and give it to you and uh, play it hard, fair, and maybe cross the line here or there. But Lionel, when I got drafted to, to Hawthorne, he rarely missed a game. He was always there and in the rooms, and you couldn't miss him. He was like a bloody block of flats standing in the rooms. You know, he call it as he sees it too. Nah, Dad spoke incredibly highly of, of Lionel, and um, but yeah, Dad loved him because yeah, he, he loved a tough man, Dad. I, I think Dad's got a little bit to do with the 59 when Dad was real young and he had the enforcers like Lionel Ryan. The game was marred by inaccuracy at the gold front from both sides, with just 17 goals converted from 50 scoring shots. It was Yarrawonga displaying season best football after quarter time, kicking 11 goals to three to runaway 37 point winners. Billy Stevens and Alan Forrester both kicked three goals, while Laurie Gleeson and Frank Seymour kicked two each. Wingers Trevor Jones and John Lee had a field day, along with Noel and John Ryan. In a round of upsets, the bottom three sides all won, with Rutherglen registering its first win of the season, defeating Wodonga at Wodonga by 38 points. This left third place Yarrawonga just a game behind Wodonga ahead of its clash with them at home in round 12. In front of a season's best crowd, Yarrawonga inflicted the Bulldogs' third loss in a row to move into equal top position with Rovers. The quality of the game saluted the huge crowd in a seesawing first three quarters that had scores level at three-quarter time. A vocal home crowd roared throughout the final term as the Pigeons, led by John Lee, Lionel Ryan, Alpha O'Connor, Frank Seymour with four goals, and John Ryan adding five gold seven to one gold four to win by 27 points. In a high scoring round 13 encounter, Yarrawonga defeated Corowa by 47 points, with Frank Seymour booting nine of the Pigeons' 20 goals. Leading by just nine points at three quarter time, the Pigeons kicked six goals eight to one straight in a final term blitz. Next up, Yarrawonga were at home to Benalla who had beaten the Pigeons back in round five. For the second time in the season, Benalla down Yarrawonga, with the Pigeons' last three scoring shots being behinds before Benalla kicked a winning goal with under three minutes remaining to win by three points. Bob Flanagan, Laurie Gleeson and Noel Ryan were best for Yarrawonga. A highlight of the day was the return to Yarrawonga of their very own Miss Victoria, Beverly McFarlane, who was presented to the crowd at half-time and was later given a civic reception that evening at the Shire Hall. 
Well, last night was a scene of great activity in Yarrawonga, especially at the Shire Hall. There was a civic reception tendered to Miss Beverly McFarlane, who recently won the Miss Victoria contest. And, of course, Beverly will now go on to represent Victoria and, of course, Yarrawonga in the forthcoming Miss Australia quest. Three Knees Microphone travelled last night to Yarrawonga uh, to bring you tonight some of the highlights of that civic reception tendered to Miss Beverly McFarlane. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the Yarrawonga Shire, Councillor Horry Prescott. Yarrawonga has completed another page in its history. When we welcomed home on Saturday amidst one of the largest, if not the largest crowd, ever to welcome anyone home to Yarrawonga. And tonight, we witness a crowd before me here tonight to see our own very girl, the Queen of Victoria. We are extremely proud of her to welcome her back to our town seeing that she is a girl that was born in Yarrawonga and for many of us that have known her since she has come out into public life, seeing her win and lose, she was just the same little Beverly, meet her in the shop behind the counter, on the street, night or morning, it was just the same little Beverly. And now Mr Keith Bradbury, MLC, responded on behalf of the official guest to the welcome extended by the Shire President, Councillor Horry Prescott. It is my very pleasing duty convey congratulations and best wishes uh, to Miss Victoria uh, from the surrounding districts of Yarrawonga. And to the acclamation of the people of Yarrawonga and district, here is Miss Beverly McFarlane, Miss Victoria for 1959, responding to the official welcome. I'd like, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that I'm very, very proud. Tomorrow I go back to Melbourne and I'm not looking forward to that very much. I'll be awfully homesick while I'm away. I'll be back soon. Thank you. The round 15 trip to North Albury had Yarrawonga register 19 more scoring shots, but only win by 14 points. The Pigeons' radar was off, kicking 8.22 to North Albury's 9 goals too. Laurie Gleeson, Bob Flanagan 4 goals, Basil Sheridan and Billy Stevens were the visitors' best. Myrtleford journeyed to Yarrawonga in round 16, and after a competitive first half, it was the Pigeons who took control in the second for a 32-point win, with Bob Flanagan kicking four goals. The third quarter was a difference, with the Pigeons kicking seven goals six to two goals straight. The penultimate home and away match was at Rutherglen against bottom place Redlegs, who started superbly to lead the Pigeons at quarter time. Three goals each to Alf O'Connor and Bob Flanagan ensured Yarrawonga finished strong to seal second place and the double chance in the finals with a 47-point win. Basil Sheridan, John Lee and Trevor Jones were all in excellent touch. Bob Flanagan recalled his debut game for the Pigeons 12 years earlier at Rutherglen. I'd been playing in the seconds that year. I got dropped out of there because the first had only won one game. Seconds were in the finals, they were about second or so, so they were trying to build their uh, side up. They were bringing players up so they could be eligible to play finals, and I got dropped out. But anyway, I got picked up as 19th in uh, first, so I went up to Rutherglen with the bus, and I was on the ground less than five minutes after it started, so that was my first game. How old were you then, Bob? 15. And the next week was the same, but I was about 20th. And I got on straight away again then, and the week after that was the last game, and they picked me in the side, in the back pocket I was. The final home and away game 
was one versus two. On paper, it looked a beauty. However, the fact was that Rovers could not lose top spot and Yarrawonga could not lose second place, meaning both sides would meet again in a fortnight and were keeping their cards close to their chest. In a game of two halves, it was Yarrawonga who stormed home in the second after trailing by 15 points at half time. The home side kicked eight goals to three to gain a psychological advantage heading into finals in the 20-point win. Laurie Gleeson four goals and Kevin Murphy three were best up forward. Pascoe Wallace, Trevor Jones, Brian Forrester, John and Noel Ryan were others to play well. The Pigeons, by finishing second, achieved its highest home and away ladder position since 1940. Noel Ryan took out the Yarrawonga Chronicle Best Player Award, voted each week by a spectator who would allocate 3-2-1 votes. Ryan finished on 17 votes with Laurie Gleeson on 15 and in third place, Trevor Jones on 13. The winner of the 1959 Morris Medal for the league's best and fairest player was announced the Sunday after the final game, with Corowa coach Jimmy Sandrell polling 21 votes to beat Myrtleford's Billy Dalziel with 18 votes. In week one of the finals, Wangaratta proved too strong for Wodonga, winning 17 goals 10 to 11-11 to advance to the preliminary final, while for Wodonga, it was the end of the season. Attention now moved to the Pigeons' first finals appearance since the 1955 preliminary final replay against Wangaratta. The first game was a 93-all draw, with Wangaratta winning the replay by 19 points. Six players from that game were still playing in 1959. Caliph Martin, Danny Burke, Tom Beattie, John Lee, Noel Ryan and Bob Flanagan. Selectors made a huge call with leading goal kicker Frank Seymour omitted for the second semi-final clash with Wangaratta Rovers at Benalla, along with Norm Maggs. Into the side were Ruckman Alpha Connor and defender Kev Lawless, who had only played two senior games during the season after suffering a broken hand. Seymour's wife Betty recalls the moment. Oscar Ryan and Ian McDonald, mum had a big uh, shed at the back. It used to be a truck shed. My brother had a trucking business. They used to use it as a, keep their stuff in it. And they were down there and uh, I went down to see what he was doing and he came out and he looked devastated and I said, what's the matter? He said, I've been dropped. He never ever said much about it. You know, you could see he was very um, upset about it. Really disappointing, really, but, but apparently he hadn't been playing well, so well, they thought he hadn't. He was very upset about that, but anyway. And, um, he trained his heart out and um, he got back into the team, so... Um, he wasn't going to miss that grand final for anything. No, he really worked very hard to get back in there. Really disappointing, really. But anyway, these things happen. Can you remember what his mood was like two weeks later when he found out he was back in the side? Oh, gosh. <laughs> he was a different person altogether. He was so happy about it. Yeah, that's all he ever wanted was to play in a grand final Fiera. While teammate and workmate of Seymour's, Bob Flanagan was one of the selectors. I'd done the selection committee and, of course, I would have been on his side, but we, um, I, I know the whole year we had two of the selectors. They had fought over sort of trivia things, but we had those little things. But anyway, yeah. um, by the time we got to the grand final, he got back in again. Tell me how the teams were announced to the players in the town. How did everyone find out? 
when when we were selecting it and we'd have the tea, we'd have the sheets, and I'd have to do about four for myself. And when it was selected, I'd go down the street. I put one in the baker shop. They had a cafe there, and they were still open, and that all the uh, seconds players and all that'd be there, and. Uh, You'd put the team up there and over the cafe and put it up there and put it under one of the barber shops' door and, uh, and that was how they found out about it. A record second semi-final gate of 1,536 pounds witnessed a rugged encounter with Wangaratta Rovers, the defending premiers, under Collingwood legend Bob Rose, playing a physical brand of football that placed two pigeons, Noel Ryan and Basil Sheridan, in Yarrawonga Hospital. Sheridan was first thought to have broken ribs, while Ryan had four teeth damage, with both suffering concussion during the third quarter. Sheridan woke up in Yarrawonga Hospital later that evening, as his son Mark recalls. I think it was in the first five minutes. Um, they gave Dad a, a good whack, and um, all Dad remembers was going onto the ground um, in that first quarter, and then waking up nearly um, back in Yarrawonga in the back of my grandfather's car. So, yeah, they uh, knocked him out. Gee, so he, that was the start of the game, very that early was, game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the first five minutes. Wow. Yeah, they targeted him in the ruck and banged him. And what was the extent of his injury? Well, he was con- concussed, but, yeah, he was uh, back the following week. So Yeah, probably lucky they had the week off because yeah. they had a win. Yes, exactly, and it wouldn't be like it is now. He would have been, yeah. But Dad went to the training on the Sunday after that game and um, he just run a couple of laps, but... All the rest were running laps on that Sunday. A typical Billy, what he used to do. Tough clash against the Rovers. Very tough team, yeah. Dad had a lot of um, friends from that era, like who played for Wang, and yeah, still until he got a bit crook, yeah. Um, yeah, he used to speak highly of them. Yeah, but very tough. A batch of pigeons were released prior to the game by supporters, and it wasn't long before the on-field pigeons were off to a flyer as well, kicking four goals to one to lead at quarter time by 17 points. Rovers reduced the margin to 11 points at half-time and appeared to be getting on top. Rovers dominated the third quarter, but terrible inaccuracy would cost them the lead and quite possibly the game. Bob Rose kicked three straight behinds as the Rovers booted two goals nine for the quarter to the Yarrawongas two goals one, leaving the Pigeons leading by three points. Scores were level 10 minutes into the final term as Yarrawonga were now the culprits for inaccuracy in front of gold. After eight successive behinds, finally it was Bob Flanagan who kicked two late goals to get the Pigeons home by 11 points and into its first grand final in 19 years as Bill Stevens was chaired from the ground by jubilant supporters. That evening at the Yarrawonga Club Rooms, Fitzroy Football Club Secretary Harry Mears presented the trophy donated by Fitzroy to fullback John Ryan. Mears described Ryan's exhibition as fullback as good as he'd ever seen. Billy Stevens played a wonderful captain's game, while up forward Kev Murphy was a surprise packet with four goals. Alf O'Connor dominated the ruck and physical exchanges. Lionel Ryan and Danny Burke starred in the midfield. Pascoe Ellis was superb in defence along with Caleb Martin. The following week, Wangaratta Rovers earned another crack at Yarrawonga when the defending Premiers walloped its crosstown rivals Wangaratta 14-13-97 to three goals 10-28 in the preliminary final, with coach Bob Rose kicking five goals and John Tanner starring on his return from injury. Selectors on Thursday evening made two changes to the grand final side from the previous team 
that defeated Rovers in the second semi-final, with Frank Seymour being recalled and Don Ellison promoted from 19th man to centre-half back. The unlucky pair omitted were Billy Whitehead and Kev Lawless, who was named 20th man. Basil Sheridan had recovered from his concussion, while John Ryan and John Lee made midweek trips to Melbourne for treatment to overcome injury and be declared fit. The following day, the team was to change, as Bob Flanagan recalls. Carl Martin was injured and he was coming up training two nights that week and we were able to pass him fit and pick him in the side. And then on Friday night, had a meeting that night over the footy ground and she just sat around on the floor and uh, had a talk and he decided he'd better pull out. He, he didn't think he could do justice. It was a leg injury. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but he... Uh, he'd hurt one of his legs. I don't know whether it was a pull muscle or what. We didn't have a lot of this uh, muscle injuries we have nowadays. I've never heard of them until the later years. But I always thought it was a really brave thing that he did, and he trained so well, I reckon he could have still played. Look, look we always sent Fessy, me and Pasco, and then we always took a great uh, care to bring him in there and think we did as if he was a me- really a member of that team. With Martin out, Joe Dixon was made 20th man and Kev Lawless named as back pocket. Dixon's son Ben, a 200-game player at Hawthorne, recalled his father's role in the grand final and his relationship with his coach, Billy Stephen. Dad loved Billy. He was a big supporter. Dad was under him for a couple of years and respected Billy because he got the most out of you and he just had little individual tactics to either fire you up or get you going or play your best footy and Billy, <laughs> Dad didn't find out till later on but Billy used to um, word up his teammates if Joe went for a mark to punch him in the back of the head. Dad was six foot four and about 110 kilos so he was the gentle giant. He hated his head being touched, Dad. He'd go for a mark and one of the Yarrawonga uh, teammates would punch him in the back of the head and Dad used to absolutely fire up and then he was away. Play his best footy, you know. It's quite funny because even the kids, like my older brothers and sister, like Christmas time, he'd be sitting in his chair and we'd we'd walk past him, ruffle his hair and he'd fire right up and I'd say, hey, Listen, Billy told me to do that to you, mate, just to just to get you going for your pork cracker when uh, we're here at Christmas. And uh, but that was the knack he said. Coming from uh, the big smoke and playing in the big league, he just he had those little things that would you know get the best out of you. Dad was in the twenty in the side, but did Dad get onto the ground in the grand final? Yeah, so nineteenth man got on um, late in the game, and and Dad didn't. Uh, he sat there the whole game and uh, watched it unfold, but. Dad was a bit of a storyteller and he, he said, Billy apparently said to him, if, uh, if we needed you, we would have had to throw you out there to win it for us, Jay, but we'd already got it covered. Just put your feet up and enjoy the celebrations as a young bloke. So he didn't quite get on. His name's on the board. He's a premiership player and um, he's got all his sons covered. We didn't win anything. He's the only Dixon, I reckon, to win, win a flag in Yarrawonga. Shops in the main street of Yarrawonga were not the only parts of the state that were decorated, with reports out of Melbourne that shops in Fitzroy had blue and white colours in honour of Billy Stephen. On Friday, a street parade was held, as Betty Seymour remembers. Yeah, well, apparently in those days, if you played in the grand final, if you ended up on the top, you had to have a parade. Anyway, on the Friday, they had 
this parade and, oh, look, it was just wonderful. And the street was packed with people. Everyone was so excited about Jarrawonga playing in the grand final, you know. Oh, they had old tractors. They had cars with people in them and all sorts of things and the footballers on a float. No, it was it was a great day. I think everybody was yelling and screaming. <laughs> yeah, it's um, good to look back on those things, though. Perfect spring conditions and a magnificent-looking Albury sports ground greeted the players with a record crowd of over 13,000 paying £2,710 at the gate. Once again, a dozen pigeons were released prior to the commencement of the game. The pigeon release was repeated 30 years later before the 1989 grand final, as Ben Dixon recalls. So, 59... Dad played in that, and 30 years on, he was the um, vice president at the Pigeons, and big thing for the town, and, and a fair wait for uh, the opportunity of another premiership. Tommy Runnels was the president; he, he was quite crook at the time, so Dad was sort of stepped into the president role in '89, and uh, it was massive for the town. And Dad used to tell us stories about when in '59, when he when he ran out on the ground, they let pigeons go in uh, in '89. Dad was telling us the story again, and, and he said, why don't you, and because and, Joel Smith, who I played with at Hawthorne for 10 years, we lived in the same street, in uh, Piper Street. Dad said, why don't you go get some pigeons and let them out for the boys in 89? So Smitty and I climbed up the silos and with cages and caged all these pigeons. <laughs> anyway, drove them across to Lavington. When the boys ran through the banner, we let all the pigeons go. So we had our little um, little moment there, Dad telling his yarn from 59 and we brought it to life in 89. Yarrawonga made a nervous start with Rovers' Max Newth kicking three goals as they skipped out to an 18-point lead at quarter time. The next two quarters had two massive momentum swings with Yarrawonga kicking six goals to one in the second quarter to open up a 14-point lead at half time. The second half was to be one of the most exhilarating halves of football ever seen in the Ovens of Murray Football League. The Pigeons looked to have sewn up the Premiership when they added four goals in the first 10 minutes of the third quarter to lead by 39 points. In an extraordinary turnaround, Wangaratta Rovers kicked the next seven goals of the quarter to lead at three-quarter time by three points. The game was set up for a grandstand finish in the final quarter and courtesy of the original commentary by Jack Ferguson 3&E and Ron McGann 2AY, this is how the action unfolded as the Pigeons made the perfect start as Donny Ellison took the ball in defence and kicked it long to Bob Flanagan. I can't notice any changes. I notice Rose being closely attended by Noel Ryan. And it's over to you, Jack, for the commencement of the final term. Well, now this last and vital quarter with the scores at the moment. 12 goals, uh, 6 to Wangwick. <laughs> the siren, umpire Beitzel bounces the ball McMoneagle the punch out towards Gregory in the far side centre wing, he's racing for the ball he's beating Lee, pointless now Jones is over on Gregory I see now as Gregory gets his kick up to the half forward flank position oh, oh a nice defensive play there on the part of Lawless was pulled right around the neck of Big Condon and Lawless will be awarded the free kick we wait Lawless now to come in and take his kick from the half-back flank, a drop kick over toward the centre of the ground, and Stevens goes, punched out of his hands by Brearley, taken away nicely by Donny Ellison, has one bounce of the ball, and a long, low drop kick carries down to the full forward zone, Flanagan. and Flanagan comes out to take a lovely mark in in front of Pat Tully. Beautiful play on the part of Donny Ellison there that got that ball down to Flanagan. Flanagan, Flanagan is out about 40, 45 yards, a slight angle comes in. 
With a torpedo punt, it looks the goods, it looks the beauty, it's a goal! And there's one to Flanagan, and now the Jarawonga have hit the front, three points in the lead. Both players recall the moment that was superbly called by the commentary team. I ran back and I got the ball, gave it one bounce. I kicked it as far as I could. Bobby Flanagan marked it, stuck it through for a goal and put us in front. He got the ball and he got himself, he was right down behind half back. He got the bit of a run and he took his run and he drop kicked it and I thought, oh, he's a beautiful kicker. As soon as I saw it heading off in the air, I knew it was mine because it just goes that far and then it slows down in the air and it's floating down and I thought, oh, I know where that is. Pack gathered well out in front of me and um, I just sat there until I reckon I jumped up into the pack and waited for it to come into my hands. And when I come down and I turned around, I thought the goals look wider than ever. And I thought, oh, Jill, I should get this. The Wangaratta Rovers hit back minutes later with Rose kicking his fourth. Out of bounds for a throw in the forward pocket for the Rovers. The scoreboard, 12-6-78 to the Rovers. 12-10-82 to Yanawonga. And the ball on the forward line for the Ring Rovers at the present time. Condon and O'Connor go for the ball together. Out it goes to Rose. Rose shoots for goal. It's through. A goal, I'd say. Full points to the Rovers, kicked by the wonderful and only Bobby Rose, coming through nicely there, capitalising on quick thinking ability as a footballer, putting it on the toe and bang, six more points go on the board. And once again, the Rovers are in the front now. Wang Rovers, 13 goals, six behind, leading Yarrawonga, 12 goals, 10 behind. Then it was the Pigeons back in front after great lead-up work by Alf O'Connor. But look at Lionel Ryan take the ball. Hank his way clear of the opponents to drive it down a centre half forward. A chance for big Alf O'Connor. Takes the ball. Left puts it into open space. Been marked by Flanagan. He races in from point blank range. And it's a goal to uh, Garawanga. Kicked by Flanagan there. Nice play, Alf O'Connor. And he's a back to front Irishman there the way he did that one. But that was very well done. A big fellow. He looks an ungainly big fellow, O'Connor. But what a great player he is to get that ball over to uh, Flanagan. And now that Yarrawonga have hit the front, 13 goals, 10 to the Rovers, 13, 6. It's back in the centre again. Yarrawonga extended the lead when Brian Forrester gold from long range. Lionel Ryan goes high over the top of the pack, taken by Murphy, and passed over towards Brian Forrester. He goes to punt kick down towards goals. This time we see it's gone over the head of the pack. It's bounced once, twice, three times, and it's a goal. It's a goal kicked by Brian Forrester. Now, that's a, if you'll pardon me saying it, that was a lucky goal. That one went over the heads of the pack and bounced once, twice, three times. But I can recall back in the first quarter when Max Newth did the same thing for the Rovers. So it's, uh, there's a player being carried off here. It looks Noel like Ryan. Noel Ryan it is being carried off the field and I'm sure he must get applause from the crowd and a grand game he's played. He looks in pain too. Now uh, the Yarrawonga side 14-10. Wangaratta Rovers 13 goals, 6. Midway through the quarter, Wangaratta Rovers reduced the margin to under a goal. Now the boundary umpire to throw the ball in on the Rovers forward zone. What a goal to the Rovers here would mean. I think the crowd would be on the ground too. The throw-in sees uh, McMonigal and uh, Gleeson go for the knock. It's been taken away by Gresky. Goes a high shot for goal. And I think that's the one I was speaking about. There it is. It's on the board. That goal being kicked by Gresky, who's played a grand game all day too for the Wangwetter Rovers. And what a grand final this is. There is three points the difference now. 14-10 Yarrawonga to the Rovers, 14-7. Yarrawonga hit back with one of the all-time great grand final goals to Lionel Ryan. From behind the play, John Tanner's got the chance to come through. He's knocked off balance with O'Connor and Lionel Ryan takes the ball. A beautiful kick by Lionel Ryan. It'll be a goal. A brilliant kick by Lionel Ryan. 
Without any exaggeration, 75 yards out from goal on the run, and Lionel Ryan put through one of the best kicks I've seen at the Albury Sports Ground in many, many years. A brilliant kick by Lionel Ryan coming in from about 75 yards out, and I wouldn't be exaggerating, Jack, would I? It would be 75, Ryan. The best goal I've ever seen kicked, and I've seen Rose kick some good ones. A brilliant goal by Lionel Ryan. 14 goals, 7 to 15 goals, 10. As Pigeon supporters sensed the premiership, their hearts were sunk when Rovers hit back with consecutive goals to hit the front. Come in fearlessly, really. And he was tripped, hooked around the neck and everything that goes with it. An umpire bites less seen it and is going to award him the free kick. Oh, I hear charity beside me. I beg your pardon. Really copped everything there by the grandstand as we wait really now to come in and take his kick. It's a torpedo punt kick down towards the goal square. The big fellows fly. It goes to the ground, taken by Newth. And he steps it going. It's through. It's a beautiful goal kick by Newth. He took that ball. And I'll have to tell you about this. Now there's two points the difference. What a beauty. Newth took that ball. Mind coming at the... back next week, <laughs> we can come back next week for a draw run. If it's going to be another game as good as this one, I've never enjoyed a broadcast or a game more than I have this one here this afternoon. Newth took that ball, run away from the pack and drove it over his shoulder, and that's his sixth goal for the afternoon. A mighty effort to punch out to McMoneagle down to centre-half forward, over the top of the pack, punched again by McLean, and uh, oh, he's immediately held though, McLean. The ball held under him, and it will be bounced by umpire Bites. So there's two points the difference in the Yarrawonga's favour. On the centre-half forward position now for the Wangwater Rovers, the punch to McMoneagle into the hands of Rose. Rose drops it, an easy one, and he's onto the ground again, and we see the stacks on the mill. Oh, a beautiful punch by McMoneagle. He's rising for those punch out, and Rose dropped an easy one out of his chest. He's looking very tired, too. This time, it's McMoneagle again, but it's punched over the top by his big Alf O'Connor. Into the hands this time of uh, John Frawley. Hand pass to Rose. Rose is 35 yards out. He goes for goal, and it's through. It's a goal to the Rovers, kicked by Rose, and they're fighting back again. What a beauty run taken by Abgutty Voicelift. Well, away with the ball to come back from the crowd. The scoreboard now. Wrangler Rovers, 16 goals, 8 behind. Leading Atawonga, 15 goals, 10. Four points of difference in favour of the Rovers now at the present time. 104 points to the dead 100. Not to be denied, the Pigeons hit back with a superb goal from the boundary. A chance this time for Hogan to defend, but coming back into the play, looks like Lee bringing the ball further down. And a brilliant pass by Flanagan. Flanagan at air who marks the ball for Yarrawonga on a very acute angle. He's about uh, only 20 yards out from goal, but nevertheless on a very, very acute angle. We're waiting for Flanagan. What a vital goal it could be for Yarrawonga. He shoots for the big timber. Full point. Full point for Yarrawonga. Kicked by Flanagan. Has there ever been such a grand final in the history of Ellen and Mary football as there has been here this afternoon? Wing Rovers, 16 goals, 8 behinds to Yarrawonga, 16 goals, 10 behinds. Two points in favour now of Yarrawonga. The tension amongst the 13,000 spectators was immense as Yarrawonga were holding on late in the game when the drama hit another level. Beautiful punch out this time by O'Connor, but a straight in the hands of Les Clark. What a beautiful flick by Clark. Down to the centre of the ground and a lovely mark to John Frawley. John Frawley plays on and goes to pass over towards Newth. Newth drops an easy mark. Is able to flick pass back to Burns. Burns races in, has one bounce, and he's immediately tackled. Under the job again, and he kicks a goal, but it's a free kick has gone back down the field. Well, there's plenty of things happening as there's a free kick further back down the field here. And it's uh, against Max Newth and the free kick to be taken by John Ryan. Well, now, Max Newth dropped an easy mark and apparently he went for a flick pass, but apparently was considered by umpire Beitzel as a throw. I thought he'd got away with the flick pass, but apparently not, according to umpire Beitzel, and he's closer than us, far be it 
from us to criticise him. Uh, incidentally, Ray Burns had kicked a goal with his follow-on play, but now John Ryan's to come in and take his kick from the centre-half back. Bobby Flanagan recalled the incident and another from earlier in the game. I was very relieved, of course, when I seen Harry Beitzel blow the whistle and bring it back, but he'd done it to me in the first quarter. I ran out and got the, marked the ball in my chest and Frank was going back into goals, a flat strap, and I just flicked it out to him and he put it through the goals and he ped penalised no, that wasn't a uh, hand pass, it was a flick, they're not allowed, but we were still doing it up in the ovens of Murray, but they stopped doing it. And when that happened the last quarter, Tommy Beatty that was playing and um, he was there and he, Bobby Rose is talking about him. He said, no, 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 he flicked it. He flicked it. It was a good flick. And he said, no, no, I'm not playing flicks. I did it to them in the first quarter. And he said, I've got to play it against you in this quarter. The last few minutes were full of tension as the Pigeon supporters cheered on their heroes to take home their very first Ovens and Murray Football League Premiership and break the 32-year Premiership drought. 16 goals, 10 Yarrawonga leading the Rovers, 16 goals, 8. The throw in this time, and we see the punch out uh, go wide into the hands of Big Alpha Connery, drive down towards goals, and uh, Flanagan's taken a one-handed mark, a beautiful one-handed mark by Flanagan, about five or six yards from the point post. He got pushed in the back, he got everything that went with it, and he's taken the one-handed mark. Well, now it was Flanagan that kicked the two goals that won them the game down at Vanilla, and it could be he again. He's on a very, very acute angle, 20, 25 yards out, coming in to take his shot. The crowd are tense as he snaps. It's gone across goals, and a chance for Pat Tully to knock the ball down. It's been taken away this time uh, uh, by young Murphy trying to break away, but holding the ball too long, and the free kick goes against Murphy and will be taken by Rogers. Uh, a minute and a quarter to go now. It's gone to the ground, taken away by Condon. Left footed into the hands of Stevens at centre half forward. Stevens goes a beautiful daisy cutting pass out towards his full forward, but it misses and is taken away this time by young Thompson and driven up towards the half forward flank position where the mark has been taken by uh, Alan Forrester. Now in the last minute of the play, uh, run it's back to you with Yarrawonga leading to 16-10 to the Rovers, 16 goals eight. Alan Forrester's kick goes down towards the forward line and Hogan comes in and marks the ball for the Wang Rovers in the fence. Hogan, who's played very good football since he came on the ground. There's Hogan's kick, a drop kick right down towards the central wing in the last minute almost, I'd say, and Condon flies high, can't hold the ball with the freak. It's going across the far side of the ground to Laws, it looks like, to come in and uh, take this kick. About half a minute left to play. If we wait now for Laws to come in and put his foot to the ball, it's a drop kick down towards the half forward flank position. A chance to mark the ball by O'Connor. He can't do it. Murphy comes in. O'Connor puts his foot to the ball down and goes through for a goal, I think. A goal, the yellow one got kicked by O'Connor. That's the winner. That crowd, right? You can't hear yourself think, boy. Well, that's the winner, Big Alf O'Connor, the man mountain of a footballer, came through, got his left foot to the ball, and the twin flags are waving merrily now for Yarrawonga. And the 1959 grand final will go the way of the Pigeons after 30 years of struggle in the Evans and Murray League. The bounce of the ball, only seconds left to go. Sheridan across to Stevens. Stevens down the ground. Watson tries to swallow the ball. The second to stick it off, and it's all over. The final scores, Wang Rovers, 16 goals, 8 behinds, were defeated by Yarrawonga, 17 goals, 10 behinds. Right throughout the full four quarters of this game here at the Aubrey Sports Ground, 
the crowd and a record crowd would be, I feel sure, here at the Albury Sports Ground. We're in a high pitch of excitement when the game fluctuated and the fortunes sprung from one end of the ground to the other when first Yarrawonga and then the Rovers looked like having this grand final in their keeping. In that uh, final term, the, the lead changed five or six times and it was finally Yarrawonga who were able to hang on grimly in their back line to win this 1959 Premiership and their first Premiership in 30 years of Evans and Murray football. I imagine she'd be a wild old town at Yarrawonga this evening. Mark Sheridan, son of Basil Sheridan, reflected on his father's stories from the day. Oh, he just said it was an um, unbelievable amount of people what were there at the Aubrey Sports Ground. He said, we got the, the crappy rooms, he said, which didn't worry us. He said the Rovers got the good ones. Um, there was a few other things um, which didn't go their way, but they just wanted to concentrate on the football. And yeah, he said the atmosphere was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and like... And Dad's never seen a crowd like that crowd in 59 at the Albury Sports Ground. Yeah, 13,000, I read yeah. in the paper reports about it. Did he reflect back on, you know, when the siren went or just how intense the game was and just how close it was? Yeah, he said, like, it was just so quick, so tough. He said it was like the second semi. He said just the crowd just running onto the ground. He, it was just amazing. He yeah. said, yeah, we soaked it up all the way back to Yarra. And yeah, they had a big party and they had their footy trip away. Where'd they go? Holbrook. <laughs> <laughs> Holbrook. Yes, mate, Holbrook. Uh, big bus trip from Yarrawonga to Holbrook for their footy trip away. The only thing I can think of being an ex-Holbrookian is that it must have been Holbrook races on or something. Dad had a few photos of all the boys in their suits out the front of the pub and one of those things, I suppose, that the, the boys of today wouldn't know. They'd all go overseas, old Yarrawonga after a premiership, go to Holbrook. Submarine in those days? No. Oh, that's correct. No. <laughs> but no. I think there was free pubs and a club, so there you go. Yeah, well, they probably would have went to all of them, mate. A resident of Mulwala counted 114 cars passed in 15 minutes en route to the Yarrawonga celebrations, which started at the Shire Hall as President Leo Burke introduced the players to the Shire President, William Hicks. Glenn Wally Breer, a life member and former club president of Yarrawonga, was a mascot on grand final day. He reflects back on a yarn post-grand final involving a large contingent of the team. Been well told to me. There's always been a gathering of persons there that cringe and walk away because they were involved and they don't like their name being brought up. You can put names to faces and faces to names. The team of 59 had a lot of young fellas that were all about the one age and had been in school together and Whatever they did, it was, you know, all in the boys hung around together. It was determined on the uh, Sunday of, after the grand final that they'll go out to Kiffin's Reserve, which is on the Coral Road on the New South Side, Blake Hot Whaler. It was all good until they realised that, you know, wasn't much electricity, so oh, we needed a bit of music. So they decided that they could obtain a piano, and Oscar Ryan was uh, a great inventor at the time, but played fullback. Him and Dolly Ryan. Played back flag, Pascoe Ellis, Frankie Seymour, a bloke called Tony Browning. A few of them tied up with tennis, Joe Dixon and those sort of fellas. And anyway, they go and borrow it out of the tennis club in the dark at night, stay the week, drink and carry on. So they get the piano and it served its purpose and it uh, entertained them for three or four days. And the Yarrawonga show's on the weekend and the tennis tennis starts on the weekend. We better get that piano back by the, uh, the end of the week. So anyway, I'll get Tony Browning's shoot again at put it in the back and get it back to Yarra. There's only one thing wrong. They didn't have the back down properly and the boys weren't prepared to sit in the back. It was a bit cold and all of a sudden they get on the weir bridge and it goes flying out the back. Uh, at this stage, the piano's on the weir bridge and a hundred pieces, like 
jigsaw puzzle. The only way to fix that is just to throw it over the side, over into the into the where it goes in the water. But over there, what are we going to do now? And Oscar goes, hmm, yeah, I think I can probably help us out. I think I know where there's a little piano that can take the place of that one. And his wife being a, uh, a good-faring girl, and she's probably done a few weddings and uh, get-togethers on this out of the little, little church hall out the road. Anyway, they decide to go out to this little church hall out the road, pick up the piano from there, take it back and put it into the tennis sheds. Everyone will be happy until they go to church on the Sunday and see the piano missing. And anyway, worked out well for the tennis club, got a piano back and no right to go. And in the, the church out the road, and then chronicle the next week in the police report, the police from the south, his name is Freetag or something like that. He's written in the paper that the piano's gone missing out of the, the church hall out the road. If you know Oscar Ryan, this Freetag was in the pub. The next time the boys are in there and Oscar said, oh, I think I might go up and let that Mr. Freetag know that I noticed I, I might be able to help him out with where he's, um, his piano from out the road has gone. I, I happen to see, or I've got a, a, a good, a, a good advice, that there's some young fellows throwing a piano over the weir bridge about a week or so ago, and I reckon that's where his piano's gone. So with that, the boys all did it about turn, left Oscar in there, talked to the policeman, and left him with it. And that, that, that's how it works. So the the good farmers of the day then had to throw in a few bob, put together, and find a, a new piano for the for the church. The Yarrawonga 1959 Premiership team was from the back line Bill Stephen, Captain Coach, John Ryan, Kevin Lawless, Halfbacks, Pasco Ellis, Don Ellison, Noel Ryan, Centre line Trevor Jones, Brian Forrester, John Lee, Half forwards Lionel Ryan, Bob Flanagan, Frank Seymour, Forward line Kevin Murphy, Laurie Gleeson, Basil Sheridan, The Rucks, Alf O'Connor, Danny Burke, Tom Beattie. 19th man, Alan Forrester. 20th man, Joe Dixon. Emergencies, Peter Seymour, Robert Walker, Caliph Martin and Bill Whitehead. Well, there you have it. How good was a commentary from Jack and Ron? The Pigeons' first ever premiership and just what it meant to the town and the community. A huge thanks to all those who contributed to ensuring this special moment in the club's history is there forever and a day and can be shared for all future players and supporters of the Yarrawonga Pigeons. Again, thanks to the Yarrawonga Past Players Supporter Group and Ross Mulqueen and the family for making it all possible. That's it for now. We look forward to catching you again on Glory Days. Stay safe and it's goodbye for now. <laughs>